Welcome to the Sporting Views. Tom Glasgow, we do great to have you with us. We'll be joined by Bill Kruger, co-host in just a moment. Heavy topic today as the fight against racial injustice. Once again, taking center stage players from six NBA teams deciding not to play postseason games in a boycott that quickly spread across to other professional leagues. Games also called off in Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, and the WNBA. This protest coming in the wake of a police shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin, which has left Jacob Blake, who is African-American, paralyzed from the waist down. Seven shots were fired at Blake from behind at point-blank range by a white officer. An investigation into the shooting is ongoing. We're going to get three perspectives on this boycott. NFL and Seahawks beat writer Greg Bell will talk about reaction from a league set to begin its season on September 10th. Former NBA scout and college basketball analyst Francis Williams will talk about what may come next in the NBA. But we begin with the co-host of the Sporting Views, former Major League pitcher and baseball analyst Bill Kruger, who was on his way to Root Sports Northwest on Wednesday, expecting a game between the Mariners and Padres, and found out the Mariners did not want to play. They wanted to join the boycott. Bill, tell us how you found out and what's your reaction? Well, it was, I mean, it, it, it was surprising to me because I didn't know anything about it till I walked into the uh, studio. So it was, uh, uh, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, it can't rain in San Diego, right? Postponement. And then, of course, I learned what the, the, the gravity of the situation and how the Mariners had decided to react to this. I mean, clearly the Mariners have a, a fairly a large, as it would be in, in baseball, contingent of black players. And uh, you have some strong personalities like, like a D. Gordon. Uh, like a Taiwan Walker uh, that I'm sure have had had some strong opinions that helped to kind of push this agenda forward. And I think what's really powerful uh, is to see uh, this club and some of the other clubs that did step up do so when the when pr- predominantly they are not black like the NBA. Uh, this is a predominantly white league, uh, more Latin and white than certainly black. It's only eight percent black. So it's about injustice. And it's about making a statement about how our country needs to change. And you can't make change happen overnight, but you can bring things to the forefront into people's eyes and ears and see million dollar athletes giving up their livelihood to say something powerful about what's not right in our country. And uh, I, I think we all have to step back as we hear stories not just this particular story, but many stories uh, of people that have had to deal with fear when they're when they're dealing with the police, that being people of color. And uh, it's powerful when you start to hear these stories and start to walk a mile in their shoes. You mentioned the Mariners' uh, African-American representation. They have 11 African-American players on their 40-man roster, eight on their active 28-man major league roster. That is, uh, in fact, the most of any major league team, the ball club coming out with a statement in support uh, of the players. You referred to D. Gordon. Uh, he put out a tweet that read this. There are serious issues in this country for me and for many of my teammates. The injustices, violence, death and systemic racism is deeply personal. This is impacting 
not only my community, but very directly my family and friends. Our team voted unanimously not to play. Instead of watching us, we hope people will focus on the things more important than sports that are happening. Another tweet from a a teammate, Braden Bishop, reads, This is bigger than any sport, period. The trauma is deeply rooted. As a white man, I will stand right alongside D, Shed, Taiwan, Chef, Dunn, JP, CJ, Kalu, Malix, Fletch, and Art, African-American players uh, on the Mariners roster. Um, This is, uh, through this adversity, this can be an issue that that can tear at teams. For other clubs, it, it Bill can certainly bring them together on issues much more important than winning and losing. I think this situation has been playing out amongst this horrible pandemic that we've been challenged with. That it's been going side by side with the pandemic, and it's it's really captured all of our attention. And I think it's really made us for it's forced us that are not black, that are not a minority to really reflect and to think about these deep rooted problems and to think about the history of our country and all that people of color have had to fight through to get yet get the justice that they deserve and a, and a, and a level playing field that they deserve and a, a certain amount of, 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 of care, sympathy, love. Uh, that they deserve and fairness that they deserve. Uh, this this uh, this is something that I mean, Kenosha, Wisconsin is is a, a stone's throw from where I grew up in Waukegan, Illinois. I played for the Brewers. I mean, I I'm from that area, and uh, you know, it it really it it strikes me. I mean, I, I grew up in the late '60s uh, where there was a lot of tension. Uh, as a kid, I could feel the tension because when we played at sports, we would go to uh, another middle school, another junior high, and we would. We would have uh, bits of altercations leaving leaving those uh, places in our buses. Uh, so, you know, the world is still not there yet, and uh, we we have a lot of work to do. And I think you need to shake the tree hard. You have to slow walk this thing from the standpoint of working with government and working with agencies and working with the police and working on making changes so that we get. Um, better trained and, and and better people on the streets to protect everyone. And then you have to push hard on the forefront to get into people's consciousness, to sort of push the agenda forward. So it's a slow walk and a hard shake of the tree. I think it takes both for things to, to happen. You mentioned the Brewers, their game against Cincinnati called off as Brewers players decided uh, to boycott. A boycott that really uh, was initiated by the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA. But back to the Brewers and and their star, Christian Yelich, who talked earlier today about the decision to boycott. Here's what he had to say. You know, we talk about the beginning of summer camp, um, what these shirts mean and, and the shirts that we've been wearing throughout the year. And there comes a time where, where you have to live it. You have to step up. You can't just wear these shirts and, and think that's all well and good. And then when it comes time to, to act on it or make a stand or make a statement, um, you can't just not do it. And that's what you saw here today is us coming together collectively as a group, um, making a stand, making a statement uh, for change, for, for making the world a better place, for equality, for doing the right thing. And, and we did that as a group. It was a unanimous vote. Everybody was in favor of, of, of not playing and sending a message and a statement. 
So, Bill, I thought I thought that was really well put by Christian Yelich uh, admitting, uh, as many of us frankly need to do, that um, we can learn much more, have a much more empathetic view, and do our best. Although it's not com- it's not in any way completely possible, but try at least to walk in another person's shoes to try to have a better understanding of what is going on when it comes to this issue. Absolutely. I thought Christian uh, hit the points well and uh, made it clear that, that he didn't have a perfect handle on what was going on, but sports really uh, are a magnet, a force that bring players of many different demographics and many different levels of income and many different places that they've grown up together and they form a common bond. And so we've, you know, as athletes have played with each other for, for, for a long time and, and, and color is, is blurred. But even with that, Tom, you know, it's, it's caused me to reflect a lot harder and think about my good friends that are, that are black, that, that I'm still very good friends with that, that, um, have had to deal with this their whole life. This fear, the 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 kind of push down, the the the, the things that they've had to overcome to get to where they where they were able to be successful. And uh, I think we all need to to do that a little bit more. And I think uh, what the Brewers did and and how they stood side by side with the Milwaukee Bucks and really stepped forward. And and like I said, it's it, it, as as society looks at this thing and sees organizations that are in baseball, that these are white players that are saying, yes, I've been wearing that t-shirt that says black lives matter. And I'm going to stand up for those words. That is uh, Bill Kruger, co-host of uh, this very podcast, the sporting views, also a major league baseball analyst covering the Seattle Mariners on root sports Northwest. Let's shift gears and talk uh, about the NBA where this boycott really began today. And we'll do that. We're joined now by Francis Williams. Francis is a former NBA scout, also a college basketball analyst. Francis, let's start with your reaction uh, to the Bucks decision, which eventually filtered down and canceled every NBA playoff game uh, on the schedule today. I think it's um, very authentic. The fact that as these games have been played in a, a lot of the post-game interviews, a lot of the guys have made it a point to speak up about the social justice movement and uh, what they are trying to get across and making sure that people don't take their foot off the gas, so to speak, with uh, wanting to put things in place to have some change happen. So when uh, the situation happened with uh, with Jacob Blake and now you see these guys take a stance to this level, uh, this isn't something that should be a surprise to people because a lot of the players have been uh, steadfast in making sure that each time they're in front of the mic or each time uh, they're in front of the camera, they've had some very real statements that they've been making. So for this now to go to this next level of uh, games being postponed uh, to heighten the awareness, uh, again, I think it all goes hand in hand with what these guys are trying to accomplish. Obviously, this is a story very much uh, in motion. Uh, do you have a gut feeling on how NBA players may may proceed? Could this be a one day and done? Do you think there is the potential that this uh, could become an even longer boycott? 
I could see it going longer. Uh, I I think by over the course of uh, the next 24 hours, I think that there's going to be uh, a plan of action one way or the other that I would think will be in place by the weekend. So, uh, I, 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 as I said, I don't think there'll be any games tomorrow. So we'll have two days of postponements. And I do think, though, that by that time, whatever's going to take place, whether they play or they don't, I think we'll, we'll know by the weekend. A former NBA scout, a guy who has really mentored high-level players through high school into college and, and for some onto the NBA. How do you feel about this is such a, an important issue, racial justice, equality in this country for really, you know, in effect, a lot of young guys um, to be willing to put themselves out there and, and take a stand. What does that say to you about the NBA player? I, I think if you go back to, uh, at least in my lifetime, I mean, I'm, I'm 61, uh, born in 59. Now, I, I was a young kid when uh, Muhammad Ali was making his stance about not being inducted into the army and not going to war. You know, the famous picture of the Cleveland summit when uh, Jim Brown and Lou Alcindor, now Kareem, and that group of athletes uh, stood with Ali in supporting him for the decision that he had made. So I think these, th- th- this, this next wave, this new wave of uh, young athlete that is uh, very well informed and they do have a definite uh, social awareness. And because they're coming up in a time where, again, racism hasn't changed. There isn't anything new that's happening with racism other than now there's video evidence of it. Mm-hmm. So there's not anything new going on that hasn't been going on for hundreds of years other than now there's video of it. And I just think that these guys know that uh, they're in a position to make a difference and they have said from the beginning that they're not going to take their foot off the gas because that's the, the, the big issue of not losing the momentum. Because in a sense, just from George Floyd to Breonna Taylor, well, here we are again. Here we are again. An unarmed black man shot in the back six times by the police. So you can't let the momentum die and you're going to have to continue to do things to keep the light shining. And there's probably some bigger sacrifices that they're going to have to make. No one's lost any paychecks yet. And a lot of times you got to follow the money. And that's what made, uh, you know, Ali's situation where you knew it was real because it cost him in a time where a million dollars was a whole lot of money. It cost him millions of dollars to take the stance that he took. Mm -hmm. And these guys haven't lost any paychecks yet. So a lot of times you're going to have to put your money where your mouth is. But uh, they are in a position to to make a difference and they can influence things uh but they may not understand the sacrifices that they end up they may end up having to make but if they're willing to toe the line and be in there for the for the for the long haul they're definitely in a position to affect change well, really important points um i'm glad we were able to connect on this obviously this is uh, nothing that's going away in, in short order so we need to stay in touch on it and and kind of follow um, this story as it, it as it develops and develops in an election year, which um, certainly adds uh, much more um, impact to what's what's going on in our communities. Francis, always appreciate it, buddy. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you, Tom. 
Former NBA scout, Root Sports, college basketball analyst Francis Williams. We transition from the NBA to the NFL now as we connect with Greg Bell. Greg covers the NFL and the Seattle Seahawks for the News Tribune in Tacoma. And Greg, I want to begin with um, this question. With the NFL kicking off its season on September 10th, can you see games being boycotted? I could imagine that, Tom, and I could imagine the forefront and the forebearers of that movement being right here in Seattle with the Seahawks. Pete Carroll has been leaning into this issue with his players way back when Colin Kaepernick was taking the knee in 2016, and very few people knew what Black Lives Matter was. Very few white people cared to even look into what Black Lives Matter was, to be honest with you, and the Seahawks did. Michael Bennett took a knee and then sat on a bench in preseason game in Los Angeles the following year. The Seahawks did not come out of the locker room for the anthem of the game that year at Tennessee in Nashville. Uh, they, they were not in a good place mentally, Pete Carroll admitted that day, and they lost that game because they had spent the entire day before in their Nashville hotel discussing how to protest what then uh, at the time was a furor over Donald Trump saying that he would uh, personally like to see NFL players who protest during, during the anthem to go out of the league. And so this is not new to Seattle. And in fact, on Tuesday night, the night before the Bucks protest in Orlando before the NBA playoff game and the boycott of the game, the night before the Seahawks had Senator Cory Booker on a team Zoom call to talk about racial inequality and to talk about police brutality and Senator Booker told them, you have a platform and a voice. A lot of people listen to you. A lot of people follow you on social media. Use it wisely. Think about what you want to say. Be unified in how you say it. But to use it to, the, to your advantage and to the cause of Black Lives Matters, to its cause's advantage. And Carol said it was an amazing talk. And it really re-energized the Seahawks movement in this regard. They're going to do something during the season, Tom. And I point blank asked today, Wednesday, after the mock game in which 15 Seahawks sat during the recorded anthem at CenturyLink Field, I asked Carol, could you imagine an NFL team or your team not taking the field and forfeiting or boycotting a game? And Carol's quote was, anything's possible. Now, I asked the same question to Seacole Griffin, the starting cornerback, and he said, we're focused on Atlanta in week one, but we are going to do something unified. But you can bet that the NFL owners and Roger Goodell, <laughs> they are paying attention and noticed exactly what's going on to, in the, this week in sports. Do we know if there is a unified plan at this point across the league involving the players, Greg, in terms of, and you touched on what took place uh, for the mod game at, at CenturyLink Field, players either sitting or kneeling during the, the national anthem. Do we know if at the very least uh, that type of protest is in the works? No, but it's become assumed that it's going to happen, that something during the anthem and mostly unified and maybe entire teams will do it. And, and it's almost the league itself has almost uh, accepted that as a fact. Uh, Roger Goodell has said he was wrong and the league was wrong for ignoring the message behind Kaepernick kneeling. What puts the NFL at somewhat of a – you could be skeptical to, or cynical toward their view on Black Lives Matter right now, Tom, is the same owners, the same mostly white 
billionaire owners who ignored Colin Kaepernick in 2016, who instead turned it into you're kneeling against the flag and against the country and against the military without listening to what the message was, attacking the vehicle instead. Well, they're the same owners that own the same teams right now. And so when push comes to shove in the NFL, it's the NFL owner, the team owners that run the league. Roger Goodell doesn't run the league. The team owners are Roger Goodell's boss. They pay him. They vote him into office. They re-voted him to get a second term. He is at the beck and call of an NFL team owner and the group of owners, all 32 of them. So unless those owners change their thinking, it's why Colin Kaepernick's not in the league still and why Mike Glennon's of the world are. The owners decide issues like this. The Jerry Joneses of the world who threaten, not, not, te- not so uh, hiddenly threaten players, you will not as a cowboy kneel or you won't play for us. Those are the people who have to change in order for the NFL to change on this issue. And everything else until then really is just lip service. But to your original point, I, I think something very unified and much more, much more together than it was in the Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed and Michael Bennett situation. Uh, there are going to be more widespread and more unified statements much less splintered than it has been to this point. You know, Greg, unlike the, uh, NBA and, and Major League Baseball, the NFL doesn't have the scheduling wiggle room, if you will, that that those leagues uh, might have. Major League Soccer, another example. So, when, when you when you look at the potential for a game boycott, oh, by the way, in this uh, COVID season that's about to begin, where there's no guarantee a season that at least appears that it'll start on schedule will be completed and finish on schedule, uh, I, there's, there's got to be, I would think, tremendous um, anxiety within uh, ownership in the NFL about how this season could, in many ways, unravel on them. Yes, absolutely. And you're outlining a lot of the fears that the owners in the league have about this issue because they don't want to move the Super Bowl. I mean, they have thousands of rooms blocked in Tampa for this coming Super Bowl they have a plus or minus of a week or two that in the contract for Super Bowls to host cities to have those hotels available for the weeks surrounding it just in case, but not pushing it back into February far, for instance. And then that's the combine and the draft. And the NFL, even now, before we talk about racial inequality and the possibility of protesting and boycotts, the NFL, Tom, stands to lose 5 to $10 billion with a B this year on loss of in-stadium revenue, gate, concessions, parking, $12 beers, $10 hot dogs, there aren't going to be fans in the stands in most cities. Now, some are going to try to put ten or 20,000. Jerry Jones has said we're going to have fans at Cowboy Games, but it's not going to be 90,000 in Jerry Jones's stadium in, in Arlington, Texas. It might be 20. And so the, the revenue streams are already going to be suffering to the point that they're going to drop the salary cap for each team by $23 million next year from 198 to 175. It's the first time in the salary cap era that started in the early 90s that the cap's going to go down instead of up. They've had double-digit inflation and tens of millions of dollars every year, and it's going to go down next year. Now you layer that with the prospect of a team walking out and not playing games and other multiple teams perhaps doing that, then TV contracts could get voided. And then games that aren't on television, 
you lose the other $6 billion a year you get from television. <laughs> the players have a lot, a lot of leverage here. The league has spent millions and millions of dollars in four and five months to get a testing protocol programming. Sean, they have planes sitting in every NFL city every afternoon that take fresh COVID-19 tests that are taken each morning from every player and coach in the league. They put them on those planes and get them to testing sites on the east and west coasts, one in New Jersey, one in Burbank, California. The Seahawks, when they get tested at 8 in the morning, by mid-afternoon, their samples are on a plane flown to Burbank to get the results in 12 hours. And then they do it all again the next day. They've done that every day in training camp this year, this month. The NFL is spending millions of dollars on that service. And then you're going to go through all of that to have a season only to pretend to potentially have players boycott them because of what we saw the Bucks do. That's a lot of leverage for the players. Greg Bell, always great stuff. Good to connect, buddy. Greg Bell covers the NFL and the Seahawks for the News Tribune in Tacoma. That's going to do it for this week's edition of The Sporting Views. Be sure and spread the word if you don't mind. We drop every Thursday morning. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and elsewhere. For Bill Kruger, I'm Tom Glasgow. Take care.